0: Hey, pal, and welcome to season three of I've Got Your Back, the podcast. This season is all about well-being. I am so passionate about my own well-being, and I'm so passionate about sharing all of the tools that I've learned over the years that really can improve your overall well-being. So there'll be eight different themes and eight different areas of well-being that we'll cover off. I really hope you enjoy it and let me know your feedback. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to I've Got Your Back in the podcast. This is the season of well-being, and this episode today I have a very special guest on, who's Andy Fell. Hi, Andy.
1: Hi, Michelle. Great to be with you. Really looking forward to it.
0: I know this has been a long time coming. I'm sure we'll get into it once we start chatting. But I've always wanted Andy on this podcast ever since I shared the idea with him many years ago. So I'm so delighted to have Andy on and. The reason I've invited Andy on, and you'll get to know him in a second, this episode is all about one of the, the key dimensions that I believe is truly important for overall well-being, and that's your work in your career. And I know that many of you listening are in perhaps a job or in a, you know, in this career, or you've been in an industry for a long time that you're actually really deeply unhappy with but you believe that maybe that's the only path or that's the only way or that's all you're that's all you believe you're worthy enough to do you know and i really believe it's important to tune into that and perhaps this conversation will bring to light maybe some feelings and emotions and questions and and i really hope it inspires you or gives you hope that you can actually be in a career that you love because i see people and hear from people every single day that are in careers and doing work they do not love or they're passionate about or they have skills they might have the skills but they're not passionate about it and they don't believe that they're really fully fulfilling their potential you know and so that's why I wanted to talk about it and the reason I actually invited Andy on is one I love his story and once you hear his story you'll just be like wow it's just phenomenal so I want you to hear his story that at any point in your life you can completely 180 on your career and do something completely different. And the second thing I wanted to share is, I don't know if many people know this, but back in 2020, I've known Andy for many years, luckily um, through the Arbonne community, um, through network marketing, we met many, many years ago. And obviously we know each other through that industry. And I would love to get Andy's thoughts on that as well as a career and a work path, because I know that he, he knows the industry very well. So that's perhaps something we can talk about. And second of all, he actually specifically asked Andy to coach me in 2020 when everything in my life was at an all-time high. And I, and I think that's really important because Arbonne was at an all-time high. I felt really good where I was, where I was living. And I think it's so important in those times you actually you do more work because at some point that's going to come down, right? And it's funny, the stuff that Andy coached me on and and mentored me on in 2020, including this podcast and including... DFINITY and social entrepreneurship and other stuff I'm doing now we were actually talking about in 2020 but it, a lot of this stuff didn't happen till now and he was a massive influence and get being a guiding partner for me and, a, and, and somebody that guided me and mentored me in a, a massive way so I really wanted you to get some of that beautiful mentorship because he was pivotal in that moment in my life for what I'm doing now so Andy hello welcome hi hey.
1: Yeah, delighted to be with you. As I said, it's uh, yeah, it's really special actually. So, um, and thank you for those very generous words.
0: Oh, pleasure. And and where are you now? So obviously, I'm in sunny Scotland and sunny Paisley. Where are you in the world?
1: Well, yeah, I'm actually looking out over the, the sunny Gold Coast um, oh. in Queensland, in Australia, and we're just coming out of winter. And um, I think our weather's slightly better than sunny Glasgow. Uh, is <laughs>
0: It definitely is. I can tell. Um. And so can you just share with people just a bit about you? Because obviously you're in Australia, but we can slightly tell by your accent. You're obviously not from there originally. So can you just share about you as, as a young Andy, like your background, where you're from originally, just a bit about you, your story, your family life, whatever you feel yeah. you need to share for yeah, people who know you?
1: Yeah. Well, I was I was born in Birmingham, in central Birmingham, in the West Midlands. And um. At a, at a very young age, my parents took uh, the decision to, to move out of central Birmingham and move to a suburb that they couldn't really afford to live in, to be quite honest. So I grew up around not a lot of money, but um, a lot of love. And yeah. um, I spent um, my whole childhood living in a, a property called 631 Canworth Road. And the yeah. 631 is part of the, the name of my business. I'm, I'm a massive believer, Michelle, in, in legacy And um, Mm -hmm. when my grandfather died, my grandfather came to 631 and he lived with us for at least three months out of every year. And he was my first great teacher. And I wanted my grandfather and my parents' legacy to live on in the name of my business. So, um, yeah, I went to a a really good state school, a comprehensive school called the Heart of England. And um, I had a a good friendship group. um, But I was like the... I came from a you know a family that was full of love, but as I say, not a lot of money. So I was like the 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 poor kid who wore the hand-me-down clothes and they
0: used
1: to you know take the Michael out of our house because all the furniture was so old and the parents, my parents, the car they drove was so old. But Mm -hmm. in a sense, when I was a child, it 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 didn't really in one way matter. Um Mm -hmm. so I went to school and and you know, I was I was very academic as a young guy. I was Head boy of junior school, head boy of senior school. I was school mastermind. I was, you know, captain of the quiz team. And but mm-hmm. equally, I was also quite a sporty kid. You know, mm-hmm. I played a lot of football, played a lot of cricket, captain of both for the school. So I think I had a, a really, really balanced childhood. Yeah, had a, you know, groups of, of of mates, and I had always had dreams as a kid. You know, I I was fascinated by modern history. I was fascinated by travel because. We never went anywhere, but England and Wales never even mm-hmm. got as far as Scotland um, <laughs> as a kid. And yeah. because I was so interested in cricket, I used to watch um, the highlights on the BBC when England played Australia, and my massive dream as a kid was one day maybe I could go to this place called Australia. It just seemed yeah. like a million miles away and was so far out of my reach. And isn't it funny yeah. that from those dreams as a kid, that's where I've lived for the last, you know, yeah. 13, this.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, and I love that. So I like what you said, and you know what? I just have to say, I love that you went to the school called the Heart of England. I think that says yeah. a lot, and it's <laughs> like just to have been called the Heart of England. I think is so powerful. I love that. Um, I love that you had this balance. You know, you came from a lot of love, not necessarily a lot of money, but a lot of love, and. You, were, you had the balance between the academia, but the activity, you know, the, the sport, like, you know, there's something really cool in that, that you had that balance. And I think I actually had a similar upbringing. I think I had the balance of coming from a lot of love, maybe not a lot of money, but having that balance of I was doing dance and sport, but had the academia as well, maybe not necessarily as good as you, like I was, I was sort of thinking there, you had, you, you had quite a lot of things going there for you. But at that time in your life, like, was there anything at that point in your career that suggested you were going to be entrepreneurial? Were you quite different in any way?
1: I think it's really interesting. In one sense, I was very um, traditional. You know, mm. my my dad had a, a very, very strong sense of, of, of work and loyalty mm. and saw loyalty very, very different to me. You know, dad was, you know, you get a job, you're grateful you've got a job, you're loyal to the company, almost regardless about how the company treats you. Yeah. And I, in one sense, I had a traditional, as you know, a big part of my early career was was very traditional. You know, mm. I went to university, I got student debt, had to pay that student debt off, didn't really know what I wanted to do, fell into a bank, and I ended up working mm. for that bank for, for 21 years. Mm. But I, I was always drawn to leaders who were a little bit different who mm. could be very, very successful in a corporate sense, but always maintained their sense of identity and mm. were willing to almost push the boundaries. And i got a reputation both in the UK and in Australia for being a bit of a maverick. So I wouldn't, wouldn't say I was a true entrepreneur in that point mm. in my career. But I had these mavericks mm. and I wanted to do it differently. And I was always massively passionate about culture, about leadership, about coaching about mm-hmm. high performing teams about the environment mm-hmm. and i truly cared about my people i truly cared about my customers and i truly cared michelle about the the communities in which we operated i wasn't very good at looking upstairs but i was mm-hmm. very very good looking out out into my mm-hmm. people out to the communities out into mm-hmm. the customers that mm-hmm. we had to serve uh, mm-hmm. and, that, and that stood me really well because i, I believe you know, when I'm coaching people now, I say, look, whatever you do, chase the leader and chase the culture. Don't worry about the pounds or the dollars. If you chase the leader and the culture, anything mm. else will fall into place. You know, go to a place which has got, which is an incredible environment. It's got a credible culture. It's got an incredible tone. You can bring your full self mm. to work. And that was always the environment I tried to create. And a lot of highly mm. talented people were very drawn to that. So I never mm. had problem attracting great people mm-hmm. and then all I did was set a clear sense of direction created a great environment and got out of the way and just let people yeah. you know bring their full selves to work and then get on with doing a brilliant job so I think there was something in me in my early career but I think it took mm-hmm. a period of time for me to really work out and, and perhaps break away from some of the more restrictive sides of yeah of my life growing up at 631
0: yeah amazing and what do you say so in your traditional career and being a part of the bank so how many years were you part of the bank
1: almost 21 years at at rbs nat west and then i took redundancy at the height of the the gfc and and then moved to australia as you know and i I came Mm -hmm. and had about another seven and a half years in financial services over here Mm -hmm. so almost yeah 28 years that led me right up to my my 50th birthday
0: and what happened at your 50th birthday because you completely did a 180 at your 50th birthday and what yeah. what happened what prompted that change in your career at that at that point because most people as your as your dad said you know you're loyal to that company you stay with that company you know you work your way through that company and you were probably in this sort of later on the path to the later years that some would say in their career to fill out the next, what, 15, 20 years in that industry and then you'd retire, right? So why did you decide at 50, that latter part, when you had so many years in one industry, why did you decide now's the time for me to completely change?
1: Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I most people would look at my corporate life and go, "Wow, you know, this guy is, is amazingly successful. However you mm-hmm. define it, you look at this person, and go, you know, he's a general manager of, one of Australia's largest companies, you know, top 1% employee base, all of these different things.
0: Yeah.
1: But I knew that there was a sense of dissatisfaction within me. Mm -hmm. So on my 50th birthday, we were away in Bali, myself, um, Leona, my wife, and and our three girls and our best friends and their three boys. And on my actual 50th birthday, I did a a couple of things. And um, the first thing I did was – I decided I'd achieve more in the next 25 years of my life than the previous 50. Mm. And I see so many people, Michelle, that get stuck in a pattern. They get stuck in a routine. They might be in their early 30s. And in their mind, they go, you know, this is the way my life is going to be. And and I believe we can reinvent ourselves tomorrow if we so wish. It's just about our attitude, our belief system, and our our mindset, and almost getting clarity of the, the new path that we want to follow. And then secondly, I took the Sir Richard Branson rocking chair test, um, which as you can see is is the title of my first book. And Richard Branson talks about, well, you're 90 years old, you're sitting outside your house in your rocking chair and you're looking back on your life. What do you want to be saying to yourself? I wish I'd done this. I could have Mm -hmm. done that. I should have done this. I had the passion to do this, Mm -hmm. but I didn't. Mm -hmm. Or do you want to look back on your life and go, well, Maybe I didn't get everything right, but at least I gave life my best shot. Mm. And, you know, when I took that Sir Richard Branson rocking chair test, I knew that if I just stayed doing what I was doing, I may have been financially successful, but there was gaps in my life. You know, I wasn't living true to my potential, true to my purpose and true to my passion. Mm. I knew I'd failed that rocking chair test. Mm. So I made the decision that I'd walk away from corporate and I'd set up the business that I now run, which is Give631.
0: Yeah, I love that. So I get goosebumps every time you share that story because it's such a profound moment. And the fact that you had the courage to do it, as you said, because a lot of people would think you're successful, you have you know, you're in that latter part of your career. And it's funny when you're talking about you felt you wanted to give more in the next 50 years of your life. and. You and I both know this concept is called Ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I. And it's when you basically have what you love, what the world needs, what you can get paid for and what you're good at, which brings in your passion, your mission, your profession and your vacation. And when you have all of those things, and it sounds like actually at 50, you're like, I want to get all of those things. You had a profession, but you might not have been like what the world needs or what you love, you know, deep down what you truly, truly love. And what you did at that point in your career was you're like, I want to create that in my life in terms of my career and my work. That That's where I want to play.
1: That's right. And one of my winning habits is that every single day I'll have an appointment with myself and I call it Mozart time. And
0: mm-hmm. And I would
1: say to everyone who's watching or listening to this is, you've got to find some stillness in your life. You know, greatness requires stillness, and you need to slow down so you can just hear yourself think. And when you do that on a consistent basis, it's amazing what will emerge for you. You'll get this clarity, and that might be, you know, clarity of purpose, clarity of vision or mission, clarity of goal, clarity of passion. And and I went through, you know, some major Mozart time after I made the decision on my 50th to really think about, well, what is my purpose? What why am I here? And, you know, obviously, you know, I needed to walk away from the bank. I needed a plan. So mm-hmm. what is the business that I want to run? And I spent a lot of time thinking about my superpowers and and what I believed I was really good at. And to your point, then saying, well, how do you craft the business out of the things that you're you're really passionate and you're really good at? And then you've got to make sure it links to the problems you're going to solve. So I spent a lot of time thinking, well, mm. what, what problems am I going to solve for other people? And as you say, if you can mm. create, you know, a, a business uh, but that you're passionate about that plays to your superpowers and also helps other people solve their problems. There's a need for mm. it, there's a training mm. for it. Then actually you can you can craft a life which is built around, you know, passing the rocking chair test. Mm. So I spent a lot of Mozart time post-that decision. It was six months later when I finally left. Uh, the corporate world and Gift Sixty One was really up and running, but it was for me to really refine um, who I was, refine what I was going to do, refine mm. how I was going to do it, and and refine the difference it was going to make um, to other people.
0: Mm. Has there been? I want you to talk about Gift Three, Gift Sixty One in a second, but because you're now, so how many years ago was that that you left the bank?
1: Yeah, over six years now.
0: Is there any moment of regret or is there any feelings that come up with that decision?
1: There's absolutely n- no feelings of, re- of regret. It's amazing mm-hmm. how many headhunters will call me up. And it's interesting. Often the first question is, hi, Andy, just checking in. And they'll ask me something like, how happy are you? And I go, I'm amazingly happy. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, well, I was going to talk to you about this particular project. You know, it's an executive role and, I, and I'm like, did you not hear what I said? Like, I'm so happy with yeah. the decision I made. Secondly, the business that i built. And by the way, Michelle, I had to rebuild that business, obviously, through the COVID period. I lost 95% of my business in about three weeks because clearly there weren't many events, there weren't many conferences, mm. wasn't a lot of leadership talent development programs around. So um, clearly there were some moments of high pressure. But um, even then, I was never tempted to just, take an easy option and and go back and just find a a corporate job. You know, I was really clear in my mind about the business that I wanted to rebuild, how I was going to rebuild it, and why I was going to rebuild it. And as you know, when you have a very, very strong purpose or a very strong why, you'll you'll get through any barrier, you'll overcome any hurdle, you'll find the opportunities as long as you're willing to take the consistent action that's going to move you in the direction of your your purpose, your passion and your goals. So never, you know, Sampra Avanti is, is one of my mantras for myself, you know, always forward in Italian that, mm. you know, I was never one who's going to look look back over my shoulder. And the other thing I think is really important here is um, there were so many people who spoke to me at numerous times saying, what are you doing? Mm. You know, you're 50 years old, you've got a big home loan, you've got a number of kids, you've got all of these responsibilities, you've got this amazing big job. What mm. What are you doing? And then even after that, Michelle, we decided to move from Sydney back to Australia's Gold Coast. And the number of negative voices saying you'll never build a business on the Gold Coast. Yeah. You know, you have to be in Sydney, you have to be in Melbourne or, you know, in the UK terms, of the big cities around the UK. Mm. And And I think too many people, they allow themselves to be distracted off their own path. By the influence of others and i think we have to you know we have to get clarity of of our purpose Mm. our passion our superpowers and and then it's about building your confidence and belief system that you let's say believe in the dream Mm. and there's too many other people who've given up on their dreams and they want you to give up on yours if you allow yourself to listen to them
0: yeah absolutely and so in the work that you do now with gifts, yeah. since you want it. Tell, tell us what you're doing. What was a day in the life of Andy Fell and yeah. in, in, in what you're doing now? What's it look like?
1: You know, every, I mean, this is a classic kind of entrepreneur statement, isn't it? I mean, every, every day is different. There isn't um mm. a standard day in the life of Andy Fell, you know? And mm. what I'm really seeking and what Leona and I are seeking is we have a very, very clear desired future state. We, we know our ideal life that we're, we're working towards. And, you know, I have some very, very established um, winning habits, winning routines, winning frameworks that I utilize on a daily basis. And actually, they're really liberating because I get so much done and I'm so efficient. Some of it works on my um, big goals. Some of it works on my mindset. So I'm setting myself up. I want to get into the of performance state on a daily basis and maximize every day. But we have a very, very fluid lifestyle. You know, we're after time and financial freedom that there's times when I work exceptionally hard, but then there's other times when Leona and I will go, right, let's take some time out and, and either simple things like, you know, going for a long walk together or going for lunch together or going away for a couple of days together. It's that type of, of fluid lifestyle that we're really looking to do. So build a portfolio of businesses that we can operate from anywhere around the world. I mean, that's what we're really looking to do because our youngest daughter, Lily, she's currently 14. When she hits 18, we see ourselves living six months of the year here, three months of the year in the UK, and then three months of the year either traveling or in a different country of the world every year. Mm-hmm. So I create mm-hmm. this flexible portfolio of products mm-hmm. and services. But, yes, I coach. I do keynote and conference speaking. I run leadership and talent development, pro- uh, development programs. I run off for clients, mm-hmm. and I run my own events, which – is is called what winning what winners do and when i'm not doing yeah. you know i'm i'm writing now i've written my first book the rocking chair test i've got two more books that i'm <laughs> writing if you go right back to my my um schoolboy days you yeah. know i was a bit of an introvert and although i was doing those things you know i was i was mm. head boy over here and i was you know pretty good at sport over here i was actually quite shy in many senses i was quite introverted mm. and there's nothing i love better than you know, sitting sitting in my room writing, be it an mm. assignment, be it, you know, uh an English essay, and and that love has kind of carried carried on um through my life. So I have quiet periods when I, I literally will just sit and, and write and I'm mm. I'm happy, happy in my own company, happy in my own space.
0: i Love that. I love that. What would you say, Andy? So you're working with lots of different clients and people every single day. What do you think? is the biggest challenge you've you've mentioned the fear of what others think so that that's definitely a thing I'd say is a challenge for people in their career and work and making change and you know doing something they actually love or transitioning to something love what else do you observe in your daily coaching or in conversations that prevent people from actually being in a career that they love that they're passionate yeah. about that they can make money from what what is it
1: yeah, totally, and and you know, if you want to move from here to here, which is what I call the future you state, you know, what what I can't do for anyone, Michelle, is define what success means to them, mm. but I give them a really simple formula, and then underneath underneath each element of the formula, there's some very simple winning habits, winning routines, winning frameworks. And I strongly recommend that anyone, wherever they are in life, whether they're just starting out, you know, late teens to even people in their 50s and 60s, like myself, you know, apply these and you can only but move forward in life. So, you know, for me, success is a combination of goals. You've got to know where you want to go. So you can run away from something, but you've got to know what you want to move to, you know. So if you're really unhappy with your current circumstances, too many people will still live in those current circumstances because they haven't spent enough time just thinking, well, actually, this is what success means to me. And, and this is what I'd love to achieve in my life, and this is what I'm passionate about. So getting clarity of, of goal and above that, for, for myself, it's it's that desired future state, uh, my future you state, as I call it. The the thing that holds the vast majority of people back is their mindset. I believe 70, 80, even 90% of our success is what we're saying saying to ourselves on a daily basis. And we all have an inner critic and an inner champion. And for most people, Michelle, I find their inner critic is dominant. And so if you want to move from where you are to where you want to be, you have to find a way to build your self-confidence, build your self-esteem, build your self-belief. So your inner champion really starts to fire and will overpower your inner critic. Because when the mindset is strong, Then we're willing to move further out of our comfort zone, further out of our our cave, as I call it, and move in the direction of our goals, move in the direction Mm. of future you.
0: Mm. And then
1: one of the biggest things that holds people back is people are so busy, but are they effective? Mm. And simple techniques to really understand where the value is in the activity that we take on a daily basis and build our high-performance diaries around the high-value activity Too many people start the other way around. They get up and they're immediately in the wrong state. Maybe they'll spend 30 minutes scrolling social media. Mm. Where's the value in that? Maybe they'll go straight to a news channel. They're getting bombarded with negativity from from Mm. the get-go. Or even worse, they'll go straight to their inbox. As soon as you're in your inbox, you're dealing with other people's priorities, not your own. So, Mm. you know, I think helping people understand where the high-value activity is and then giving people some simple techniques so they're constantly debriefing those activities to drive continuous improvement. So that's a very, very simple success formula that will help anybody who watches or listens this move from where they are to where they want to be. As long as they spend that time up front really thinking about, well, what is it I want to achieve with my life? How do I pass the rocking chair test if it's not this what is it, yeah. and and that's where I think the help is because um, my first coaching client actually, when I left the bank, um, I met this guy and and he was earning a lot of money, but he said I've got no wealth in my life whatsoever. You know, yeah. I'm I'm at work incredibly early, I get home incredibly late. I've got no relationship with my partner, I've got no relationship with my kids. Even my dog doesn't want to go for a work with me. He said I've got yeah. no no wealth in my life. And that's the F of GIFT, actually. the GIFT 631, it's growth, inspiration, fulfillment, and transformation. And I think it's about finding fulfillment, which is critical to well-being, happiness, success. It's getting that fulfillment. So you've got to slow down to, to really understand how you get that, you know, that fulfillment in life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really believe that's the biggest thing that people don't have is fulfillment, like they're just on the hamster wheel every day doing what they think they should do or what other people think they should do, and they don't have that fulfillment. Um, I
1: I honestly think, if I can just reiterate again, Michelle, I think it's just give yourself permission to be still on a daily basis. Yeah. to Get off that hamster wheel, even for 15, 20 minutes, and just ask yourself great questions. The better quality of questions you ask yourself, put your phone away, put your laptop away, just get out your journal and just spend time with your thoughts, you, your thoughts, and your journal. Mm. You know, what, what is what is my ideal life? If yeah. time and money was no restraint, what would I would, what would I be doing? How would I be spending my life? What am I really good at? What are my superpowers? And to your point, mm. how how can I match my superpowers to what the world needs? How can mm. I craft a business from what I love doing? Just asking mm. yourself these questions. What problems could I solve for other people? Yeah. You know, that to me was a big part of my Mozart time, as I call it, my journaling time, mm-hmm. where all these ideas started to bubble up, which became Give 631.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it takes time, doesn't it? It's it's not because I think some people struggle with that stillness, like because we live in such busy lives, like the phone is beeping, YouTube, Instagram, Facebooks, like it's, there's constant information coming at us if we allow it. And I like a lot of people say to me they don't know how to be still. They actually don't. Yeah. They don't know because they're just constantly on the go, and they feel as if they don't have a choice to stop and actually be still. They just struggle with it.
1: It's a huge discipline, but it's transformed my mm. life.
0: Mm.
1: At two speeds, I'm either really still or I'm really fast, and I believe yeah. most people operate somewhere in the middle. But mm. if you saw me from the outside. I believe what you basically see is the speed, but you can only go that fast if you're also willing to go that slow. You need to go that slow to get the clarity. So when you make a decision, there's a good chance it's a really good decision. You you decide what you're going to do. You commit to that decision. You make sure you're really committed, and mm-hmm. when you go, you're all in. You know, don't half, half do things. And that's the other thing I, I would you know say to everyone who listens to and watches this is, make sure you're truly committed. Start less and finish more. I meet so many people, Michelle, they're forever starting things, but it just fizzles out and then fizzles yeah. out and it fizzles out, you yeah. know, and that's the instant result. So, oh, I've got to change my mind. I've got to go and do something else and then yeah. something else and something else. But as you know, you've got to give these, as you said yourself, we talked about some of these things in 2020. Yeah. Some of these things to create mastery and also a sense of maturity in some of your ideas. You mm. just have to if I go back to my early journals, I see how things have built over time. Mm. You know, but I have always believed in the process of of just space and stillness.
0: Mm. Yeah, I totally believe in that as well. And I would say when you were mentoring me in 2020, that was the first time that I started stillness in nature. Cause yeah. my, my life, my life was just like I was constantly on the go physically and mentally. I was just moving from place to place. Like I had goals and dreams for sure, but when I created that stillness, it became so clear, like so, so clear. I remember having such key conversations with you when I cried, like we're having a coaching session. I was like, I just did this profound thought about being around people like my grandfather, You know, I know you had role models when you were younger, like he was in constant service to others. And I'm like, that to me is social entrepreneurship. Then I was starting to realize, why am I so passionate about social entrepreneurship and giving back, being in service? And I realized that when I went back to my childhood, I was surrounded by people that did that. And of course, I, I, I ended up in that space. Um, and so I remember that stillness. And you're right, because I create... And people think that I'm just like, I go with the flow and I'm super slow all the time, but it's not. It's like, yeah, there's two speeds. It's like when you create the stillness... Everything's so clear. So then when you're when you're in, you're ready to go and you're just like, let's get stuff done now. And it actually is much faster. But the flow comes because you're in that stillness and the slowness. And because you're slow, it creates the flow. That's that's what I realized in 2020 in a lot of our that, conversations.
1: That is the perfect way to describe it. That is the essence mm. of who I am as well. You know, perfect.
0: Mm. Yeah. As you were talking, and I know you're a big believer in setting goals and audacious goals and not smart goals, not achievable goals. You're you're a big believer in going for big things, um, even if they seem ridiculous. So I would love because you've got a great you've got a great little practical concept of how to set these unachievable goals. Um, can you just share that? Because obviously. You spoke so. If people ask themselves those questions in that stillness, and they start to go, "Right, I've got something here." What do they do then to achieve it? And in, in terms of goals, what would you suggest as a little tip?
1: Just, just to help people as well. You know, I've always avoided smart goals, and let, let me tell you why, because I think that's important. And then I'll tell you what I do do and how I break it down. Hmm. You know, when I was early in my my sales leadership career the sales trainer on the course I was at was telling us all to set smart goals. And I decided straight away I wasn't going to do that because a smart goal was based on the past and adding a little bit more. And I was like, well, I want to set goals based on opportunity or possibility. I want want to set massive goals. And if I really commit to those massive goals, even if I only get halfway, I'm going to be so much further than if I set a smart goal and and Mm. slightly get ahead of it. And then I looked around the room and there's about 20 sales leaders in the room. And I thought, well, if I just set SMART goals like everyone else in this room, I'm just going to be like everyone else. We're all going to be like mediocre together. So I decided to start this process of setting what became called SMUT goals. So specific, measurable, unachievable, unrealistic and time bound. Just go way out there with my goals. And then a lot of people, they'll get overwhelmed by that because, you know, we're all busy, busy people. So a couple of things, and and then you need to first of all create your vision board, create your visual representation. You need, and at the the bottom level of all my goals, by the way, is is health and well being. I created this goal stack, and health and well being sits at the bottom. You have to get that right to get everything else right. You know, your sleep, your hydration, your nutrition, your movement. Mm-hmm. So health and well being is the foundation of my goal stack. Then you've got um, fun, family, and and passion projects. That's the next set of goals. The next set up is contribution goals. So goals that make a difference to society, community, customers, family, friends. Um, Then only at the top, I set business and financial goals. So that's how I I stack my goals when I'm thinking about it. So I go for these SMUT goals. And one day, Michelle, I was just thinking about 631, 631, 631, and I just flipped it. One, three, six. So the one is the SMUT goal. You then break it down into three milestone goals or sub goals, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Then you break it down again into your six next best actions. Every time you take an action, you replace the action, all of which takes you in the direction of the sub goals. Every time you achieve a sub goal, you replace the sub goal, all of which mm-hmm. is taking the direction of the SMUT goal. So you go big okay. in terms of the goal. You go small in terms of the action, but consistent, repeated action. So it's the brain likes momentum. The brain likes success. Mm-hmm. So the thought of, yeah, I'm crossing through these actions. I'm, re- I'm making progress. It avoids that overwhelm if you create something that's that's huge and and is really out there.
0: Yeah, I love it, and I've used it ever ever since you shared that. I use it all the time because yeah. I'm like you. Like I love those unachievable out there crazy goals because you're right you can achieve so much more because you'll land ideally you'll probably land there at some point not time bound but you know you'll just get so much further forward but you need those little actions
1: totally 100 for
0: the press um and is there anything else you would like to share anything on your mind on your heart what would you like to share with people what do you believe people here need to hear right now
1: yeah I, I would say to people you know I've, I've created this beautiful success system you know i've got a what winners do event i've got a youtube channel which is packed with free content and i've got a 20 dollars or a 10 pound book so if you even if you can't access what winners do as a, as a product um you can get so much free content from youtube and you can pay 10 pounds or 20 dollars for the rocking chair test which breaks down the success formula And it's just my personal success system for people. I'm kind of giving this system to people, um, you know, for less than, if you go to the What Winners Do event as well, for less than £100, $200. It's like, here you go. If you want to transform your life, if you are one of those people that you've talked about, Michelle, who is um, uncomfortable with where you're at today, maybe it's on one hand, your, your life's lacking a bit of spark. On the other hand, you're just not living life True to yourself, you're not living life, mm. true to your purpose, true to your passion. Somewhere in the middle, you're bored with your job, but you haven't got the confidence to go and and truly, you know, live your life and, and pass the rocking chair test. It's all there for people. So um that's what I'd love to leave people as a as a leaving, leaving gift. Go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, go and get yourself a copy of the rocking chair test. And if and if and when you can, come along and see us at the What Winners Do event. And I truly believe if you You know, knowledge without action is useless. You know, as Arnie Schwarzenegger once said, no one got muscles watching me work out. So you've got to put this stuff into action, you know, and consistent action to make a difference to your life. But everyone, everyone who listens and watches this absolutely can start to redefine themselves tomorrow if if they so wish.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Andy. It's been a pleasure having you on. I think we need to have you on again.
1: I feel Absolutely. as if there's so
0: much more we can talk about, so we'll, we'll do another we'll do another episode. But thank you so thank much you. for your time. Really grateful, and, uh, and I'll speak to you soon.
1: Brilliant, to see a superstar like you as always.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks everyone yeah. for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Remember, download the Yoga Nidra right after this episode. Make sure you have a listen. It's the most beautiful guided meditation that will regenerate your mind your body and your soul take care see you soon